Francis, weighing in at a combined weight of 690 pounds, Kevin, Kerry, and David Von Erich. Look at my beautiful brothers. The Von Erich are the greatest family in the history of wrestling. Welcome to Serial Viewers. Hello everybody, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Alex, your glorious host. And I'd like to say my other fellow cohorts and panellists are glorious as well. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? You know who we are. You just say I'm joined by Stefan and Toby. No, I I would like to insist that I am glorious as well. That's quite empowering. Because of the theme of our episode, could it be like, It's Toby! As long as I get the John Cena. Should I I be a proper announcer? Let me be an announcer. Do it. Yeah, go for it. So, join joining me today. You've got a microphone. You don't have to do one with your hands. <laughs> I mean, I thought you were pretending to eat ice cream. You know, I like to. I like to be like Jim, Jim Ross in this situation. Penis. <laughs> join joining me from Beckenham. We have Stefan. It's funny because we're still in Beckenham, so he hasn't travelled very far. And also here, joining me from Greenwich, but originally from. Lewisham, we have Toby. I really appreciate. Yeah. Uh, no, no, please, please. I'm the bad guy. That's why I got the booze. Because there's a what is it in wrestling? Macho there's Man, a, Randy Savage, baby, baby, and face. The baby face. Right. Oh. Yeah. So, I, I learned this stuff because I lived with someone who was fanatical about wrestling. Okay. Over the age of eleven. Nice. Which nice. I, makes me get out of the way. I stopped watching wrestling around the same time I stopped watching Doctor Who, which. <laughs> was about 11 I resent that <laughs> because I never I grew really up. I never really started watching wrestling it was sporadic but when I was in Nigeria in 03 do you remember I know it will come up later but do you remember that dude from WWE who didn't have... He had one leg. That dude. Yeah, and then he beefed, like, my man's daughter over something. That was the f- only story arc that I remember watching, and uh, news in Nigeria reported it as if it was real sports news. Oh, right. Was <laughs> so that was, that was your exposure to wrestling. And the video age. games. I was big on Bobby Lashley. Oh, man. Back oh, you were big day. on the Lash, yeah. Yeah, I like Bobby Lashley. Get that's how long ago I stopped watching wrestling. Jesus, man, that's ages. That's it ages. is, isn't it? But the reason that we're talking about wrestling, guys, is because we're here to review the new... Um, Madam sh- Web. That's right, Madam Web. Yeah, fuck <laughs> No, 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 no. Even as a joke, yeah, I come to your house, I respectfully offer my patronage, and you, even as a joke, insist that we, or imply yeah. that we discuss Madam Web. Yeah, yeah. Nah, you're both going to hell. <laughs> I, I am hell. No, what are we seriously talking about? The actual movie we are talking about is the Sean Durkin directed and written wrestling um, biopic, I'd like to say, Iron Claw. The Iron Claw. The Iron Claw. Because if we say Iron Claw, it sounds like an 80s action movie, like Iron Eagle or something. Yeah, totally. And this is definitely not that that vibe at all. This is where, like, when you picture the title, all the words are really spaced apart. In caps, yeah, yeah, the iron with like massive blocks, like. So what this film is actually about is the uh, wrestling heritage of the Von Erich uh, wrestling family, who were on the prominent rise in the early eighties, and the movie basically showcases their triumph and tragedy throughout basically the world of professional wrestling in the. Son's pursuits to have immortal glory. It's yeah. Legacy, so it's more a family film than a wrestling film. When you say family films and a film about a family. Uh, yeah, no, I don't it. mean like, you know, Encanto. Jack Frost. I keep yet. mentioning Encanto. <laughs> it's because I've really never like seen film. it. Encanto is a family-ish film. Okay. About a family. It's, it's, right. It's, it's decent, so, yeah. So, so, yeah, quick, quick, quick summary. Um, as a fellow wrestling fan, I've been a wrestling fan since... Fellow? Yeah. I don't like wrestling anymore. Well, you, you, there's a lot of story going on. <laughs> Steph has like, no, he, I don't like doctors. He's a wrestling, like wrestling hater. Wrestling hater right here. I, Two weeks ago, you were doing the same with Star Wars, mate. <laughs> no, I like Star Wars. Oh, you like wrong. it now. You no. like it now. I have a Millennium Falcon in my flat. Yeah, where is it? Oh, there it is. Um, I've had to put it away because it was getting dusty. That's convenient. <laughs> what? 
I didn't want to get damaged. It means a lot to me. No, man. Stefan, I respect that. I respect you protecting the Falcon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Res- wrestling, though, I had to watch the WrestleMania about two years ago because two guys I knew wanted to watch it. Yeah. And we treated it as that thing of staying up late, getting drunk and watching a sports event. Like the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, meant, I know a lot of people that live out with the Oscars. I meant more like the U- you know, UFC nights. Yeah, yeah. Where my mates will keep me up to like Bowl 3 a.m. I watched the Super Bowl the other night. I watched actually. the Super Bowl as well. It was Yeah, all right. the halftime show is so cringeworthy. It was Usher's performance. I like Usher. Yeah. I don't like halftime show. I don't want to talk about the Super Bowl because otherwise you'll just set me on a 25-minute rant about thought control and mass media. And you don't want that tonight, do no. you? Guys? Yeah, let's, no. Yeah, let's, let's, let's go back go to the there. Iron Claw. Mm. So, some quick, quick summaries. Um, I actually really, really enjoyed this film. Um, I said to the guys that it might actually be my favourite film of the year so far. In February, yeah. In, it definitely <laughs> in this month. It technically yeah. belongs to last year. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Right, yeah. Like we're in that part of the year, start of the year, where we're getting Poor the feed things, over from, yeah, this, 2023. kind of hangovers, which didn't get major release. The other one's like Zona, Jonathan Glazer's Zone of Interest, which mm. I'm having a nightmare trying to like go see. Is it getting a theatrical release? Over I don't think it will end up getting a theatrical release in Odeon or View or any kind of major got, cinema. Got I'm going to have to go to a picture house or yeah. Curzon. Well, that's a bit of a shame, isn't but it? But this is your favourite cinema experience. So far, so far. Which sounds odd to say, seeing as I had a very interesting reaction to this film. I didn't expect it to be as intimate and um, in-depth as first thought but there's a lot of emotions and themes that goes into mm. this into this film one of the strongest themes for me is the theme of uh, purpose in this movie yes finding out where where you want to go in life uh, people's expectations of what you should do and who you should be i feel like that was really really having control over one's life yeah yeah, that was definitely expressed a lot in this film, especially throughout um, all, all of the sons and the great performances in this movie, which we'll get on to. Is uh, it worth mentioning at this point, because you talk about the sons, mm-hmm. that as much as this does um, cover the entire, in inverted commas, Von Erich family... Chris. I think we should leave this for later. Oh. I think this is technically spoiler territory. Oh, are you <gasps> heading down that yeah. way? I'm really sorry, guys. Yeah, no. Um, I just wanted to be part I, of it. I'm treating this like the way I did, which is I went into this film with no knowledge about the Von Erich family. Right. And I deliberately chose not to go, whereas a lot of things, if I know it's based on fact, I will read up about the thing before I go see it. Yeah. Um, the Andes I just knew about, so Society of Snow is a film that I know on, uh, immediately on arrival. But with this Von Erich family, I didn't know any of the story, the history, or, you know, the relationships within it. Mm. So go, we're going into it blind, which I think a lot of people in the UK and maybe the actually global audience will, unless you were alive and a wrestling fanatic in the in 80s. In the 80s, yeah, exactly. I think you'll go into this film with no knowledge of the story. Hmm. But then again, what you've hinted at will also bring up in regards to the fact that I've gone into this and I've thought this is the whole thing. And how did you come out of that, just in, in general? Right, I thought this film was fantastic. Mm. I thought it was beautifully shot. Yes. I think the cast are phenomenal. Um, the one that was really a standout, and I've not heard much talking. I love Harris Dickinson. He I've, was great. I, I liked him in See How They Run. Uh, he yeah. played Richard Attenborough yeah. in it. I loved him in Triangle of Sadness. And then I like him as a person, because you hear that he's like a went to a... Um, you know, he was part of a theatre group, was about to join the military, mm. funded his, you know, acting experience by working in hotels. He's a, like a real guy. Rafted. Yeah, he's actually yeah. lived he's, a life. Yeah, yeah. And he's only 27 years old, so there's a future that we might have Harris Dickinson as a top billing name for the next 40 yeah. years. And I'm very excited. And in this, for him to pick up a Texan accent so flawlessly. He yeah, he smashes yes. it. He's English. He's originally English. Sorry, I don't know if the audience can hear or the listeners can hear the gasp I just did, but, but motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. And the other one that I feel like no one's really talking about, but for me was quite a standout, was Stanley Simmons as Mike. As Mike, the youngest brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought it was it. a very subtle performance. Mm. And it was one of them that could have been played... It might have come across quite cartoonish. 
Very much so. In certain places because of what happens in development and the fact that he has the kind of cliche. I don't think this is a spoiler that he, he wants to, to be, be a rock star, then, you know? Yeah. He wanted to be something different as the rest of the family all wanted to be wrestlers. And it's almost that the father has pushed this vicariously onto his boys, this dream of becoming the world heavyweight champion. Yeah. Because he is... He always dreamt of that. That is the goal for yeah. the family. Yeah. That's the ultimate like achievement for them. And yeah. I think that Stanley Simmons is Australian, by the way. Mm. Aussies can always that get I didn't the know. accent a bit I better. Didn't know yeah, that. he was fantastic. And I think the car straight away, I think even Maura Tierney, who does her... I didn't recognise her, Well, man. totally unrecognisable. Yeah. But there's minor where she's written almost as a support and, and has very little involvement in the kind of grand crux of the entire film. Until the latter part, which oh, I'll get on to later. Course, which yeah. I'll get on to. But she is very, again, it's subtle. Mm. And where it's a film about big bravados, big characters, larger-than-life people, there's a lot of subtlety and nuance to all of the performances and it's one of those where it is a stellar piece of ensemble work. Can we yeah, also touch on? Can I we agree. also touch on? Obviously, the, the the well, I'd like to say he was issued as the main billing, but I think all of the actors really should take a stand on the pedestal. But Zac Efron as a uh, Kevin Kevin uh, um, Kevin Von Erich. I, I said this walking out of the film, I still stand by it. This is definitely his best performance today. There's 100%. a similar thing. I think this is the start of the next phase of his career. Yeah. Because you've just seen the Renaissance, yeah? Or the McConaughey-sance. I was going to call it the McConaughey-sance. McConaughey-sance. Um, you, you read my mind, bro. You read yeah. my mind. This is the start of the Efronaissance. Ah, because it's not like he was... No, because I remember see, like when the High School Musical and that were coming out, I can't remember what publication or what website I was reading this on, but it was a profile of the High School Musical cast. I think it was after the second one had come out. Um, my sister was into it. That's my excuse. So was mine. Um, yes, all of us. I watched were. them all on BBC because yeah. they were free. Because I've seen all actually... three. They were on Christmas Day. They showed for three continuous years because they were released like back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe because of casting, maybe because of how financially well they were doing. It was the first. But I have seen yeah. the trilogy, and I personally, I don't think they're terrible. Never like, seen the first, they're the not, first they're one. They're not bad. Is good. They're not bad musicals, musicals irk me in the sense that I hate the idea where people just break into song and stand on a table. Yeah. It really pisses me off with but a lot of that's exactly stuff. what they're doing. And they did, yeah. And it's... No. Uh, you know, it's a wonder to me that I didn't mind it, even though that's my biggest pet peeve. I prefer them when they integrate them. Like, I'd almost class the Blues Brothers as a musical. No, no, no definitely. Is. Yeah, it, it, is. Is. Yeah. it is. And then Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. But even then, they're lip syncing. So is that a musical? Um, Bohemian Rhapsody, they're lip sync. Yeah, but nowhere they play drag queens in Priscilla. Yeah, they're never actually singing, but the numbers are done and staged like a musical. They're numbers, but yeah. they do performances. Mm. So with that, I thought this is one of the few examples of a musical where I'm like, ah, let it be, you know, let it, let it be, be. yeah, let it be. And let circle, it be. circling back to like Zac Efron's um, as as an actor, watching those films back then, you could kind of see and tell that this is someone that actually has something about him. So this sorry, that's somebody, why I brought yeah. up the um, the website article I read because on oh, the yeah, profile sorry. of all the High School Musical cast. Mm -hmm. They say, this is what he's done, this is what he's done. At the bottom of Zac Efron's paragraph, I remember reading the words, can actually act, full stop. <laughs> and that yeah. was in 2007. See, uh, like 17, that. again, I know it came out after the fact, but... That's never... a very Freaky Friday performance, though. Like, you, you know Lindsay Lohan can act when you've seen Parent Trap, yeah. but then when you think of her in Freaky Friday... Actually, she can act in Mean Girls as well, but when you watch Freaky Friday... It's the same as Zac Efron in 17 again. You're studying yeah, somebody. You're yeah, they're, playing really. the, yeah. they're playing a family comedy teen yeah. role. But, like there's a scene, for what but there are. is a scene in 17 again where he turns up at the courthouse and they're about to get divorced and he reads basically his heart out, pretending that he's reading off a piece of paper. And I'm like, yeah, this guy's this guy's going places. He's got something about but it. But he's also, like, with this film now, he has escaped fully, I think, the teen idol thing. Oh, God, well, Ted Bundy was him trying to. 
Yeah. So that wickedly, yes. well, strangely wickedly. I can't remember the. T- they made the title really confusing because I never. I always try and reference the Ted Bundy's. I just say the Ted Bundy Zac Efron movie. The actual title of the film is a lot longer, long winded. Oh, it's isn't a it? nightmare <laughs> yeah. to say. It's like Wibbidi dangerously, wibbidi. wickedly, beautifully, whatever it, the film. Crazy fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Whereas he, in that, he's trying to get away, and even still, he's being poised as beautiful because they're trying to. Look, Ted Bundy was hot at the time. We look back on him, we're like, no. But people have gradually got more beautiful as decades have gone on. The more the genes mix around and so on, people are gradually getting more attractive. I mean, we're all beautiful. Yeah, but they had to sell the idea that Ted Bundy was attractive. They got Zac Efron for a modern audience. Yeah, it's like Mm. getting Frankie Avalon to play a serial killer in a 60s movie. Yeah, totally. It's about about Mm. relatability at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. Kind of. Sex appeal. I felt with Efron in this, he grows into it. 100%. 100%. Oh, as, yeah. As the yeah, when he on, began, yeah. I was like, um, okay, fine. And then by the second act, I'm going, wow, he's really putting putting a shift in. You see, I felt the opposite somewhat. Um, and I don't know if that's just because of his appearance, because the first thing I wondered, and I can open up the floor to this later is whether or not he was on steroids for this because he's I mean, on the, there's he's a on question the, to that. he's probably on the HRT HRT yeah like Which we've is, discussed this in a previous yeah, episode about taking before, testosterone yeah. for fucking yeah, day, yeah TRT HRT whatever the you know we we've already talked about this yeah. that Hollywood have been now using for quite some time he probably did that because steroids it's long-term damage that is irreparable. Yeah. And while doing the shoot, that's not really something that you want to... No, not at all, because it fucks up with your mentality effects. as well. Um, but in terms of the look... He looks look, like Lou Ferrigno. Dude, they, they, they look... Aesthetically, they he look He looks like amazing. the Hulk. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. He looks like a guy you don't want to meet in the alley at, like, 11 p.m. What guys have you met in the alley, Alex? Oh, man, that's a story the for another time. The ones that he's paying for things. <laughs> oh, wait, Like what? biscuits. How dare you I'm insinuate? I'm glad that we can keep this light-hearted for now, because as soon as we get into spoiler territory, this is going to get morbid. Because yeah. this is, uh, for me, I described the movie to my mum and she went, why would you want to watch that? For me, I thought it was very bittersweet. Mm. There are these moments of tragedy and the whole film can be called a tragedy more so than anything else. You said yeah. triumphs at the beginning, the triumphs and tragedies. Yeah, This film is more of a tragedy. It leans heavily into that. And for me to resolve itself... No, it's okay. Like I'll, I'll, I'll let you in one second. Um, but for you to kind of end up giving some sort of resolution or catharsis by the conclusion, it's quite a feat when you look at this. This could be seen as misery porn. Well, the film is about loss, centrally. Yes. Loss in terms of career, in terms of life, in terms of And coping with people. that loss as yeah. well, which I think is really greatly explored. Yeah, totally. Um, the part I was going to just harp on to uh, carry on from your point is um, tragedy and building yourself up within that tragedy, within that adversity. Um, because um, Holt McCallany, who plays uh, Fritz von Eric By the way, dad, wow. Amazing performance. Like, yeah. Holt McCallany doesn't ever get half the credit he deserves. I've only ever seen him in Fight Club. So for me, this was, I don't want to use that term revelation facetiously, but mm. um, yeah, pleasantly taken aback. I really think this is the opportunity to go watch Mindhunter. Yeah. Likewise for me, yeah, I haven't it's seen it. the first, that's for me, is the first time he's actually gone... Everyone can, like, look at Holt McCallany. He's he been given the act. chance to... Yeah, yeah. yeah instead yeah. of being an ensemble member for David Fincher, which he has been for basically for his entirety of his yeah. career. Decades, yeah. Uh, Alien 3, Fight Club. For him to then get sent a stage with Mindhunter, another David Fincher piece of work. Okay. This is one of those where it's nice to finally see him given a role that is grandiose. But nuanced enough. Yeah, yeah, it's that, hey, look at him. He is a big figure in this. Larger than life yeah. personality, right? And yeah. s- almost center stage, not quite, because that's the wonderful thing with the ensemble is no one's really center stage except for maybe Zac Efron, yeah. mm-hmm. where it almost follows him the most. Mm-hmm. But everyone's given their bit. It's not kind of a central focus on Kevin Von Erich. It's the Von Erich family. As a whole, yeah. So yeah. everyone's got their kind of 
piece to be done. You know, they're all getting an intimate, close look at each family member throughout. Yeah. What I liked also that um, Holt, Holt McCallany did with this character is that the way that he relates to his son, each relationship that he has with the individual sons is different. He doesn't have the same approach with 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 one uh, according to the other. He applies different techniques when he's trying to amp or give inspiration to each and every one of them. And it's 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 not black and white. There's a lot of shades of grey. When, mm. when we talk about his character, about what he perceives them to achieve, what he thinks that the, the heights that he believes that they can reach, the heights that he never got to reach is very, is very, very, you know, in depth. And that's what I liked. So do you know much about the real Fritz von Erich? Because gonna, my biggest... I, um, I think that is, well, now is perfect time to get into let's spoilers. Get that. Okay, so this is a spoiler mark, yeah? Yeah, we're right in there. Okay, this let's is your go. first warning. Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker's father. <gasps> it's your second spoiler. warning. What's another spoiler that Bruce we... Willis is dead at the end of that's Sunset. one. No! Yeah. If you're not gone by now, then it's your funeral. Kevin Spacey is Kaiser Soze. <gasps> Guys, you're ruining so many classics. Well, we gotta give three spoiler warnings before we spoil this film. I Some think that's fucker fair. on YouTube spoiled The Sopranos for me this of, morning. Of course I was they did. Very it's distressed. HBO, YouTube man. will spoil every HBO show. Yeah. The web is dark and full of spoilers. Yeah, mm. yeah. Right, yeah. So Fritz von Erich, from what I've heard, I mean, they demonstrate it enough in the film, but when you read about him in real life, I'm like. He is the antagonist. Really? No, I got that vibe, but this was further to your point about the performance, hmm. was that I got the sense that, yeah, this guy is not just narcissistic and controlling, but he is the problem. And the fact that it's Holt McCallany, right? Yeah. yeah. The fact that I never throughout the film saw him as an out-and-out villain is bigger credit to his performance because it allowed me to see the humanity in someone who is toxic, essentially. Hmm. I'm... Assuming he's still alive, isn't he? No, he died in 1997. Okay, I I think maybe out of respect for the father, I personally think you would have gone a lot worse with this film. If From what I've read about the real-life story, I would have made him far worse. But Kevin Von Erich was involved in the production, so there might be a part... Well, respect for your dad. No, that's that's exactly what I mean, because... From what I gather from the film, Mm. right, and even still subtleties, no father tells their sons one is their favourite. See, that got me early on. Off the bat, you know this guy is a a dick, for better or worse. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, to put it any other way. There's There's that scene in the uh, locker room where he says, yeah, David's going to be the one to get the chance. And the way that it's framed back to the cinematography again. Well, it's like a dad telling off his kids. Yeah. Because it's a high angle, it's focused on, on all of them. And they're all sat there cowering it, in their seats. Exactly. Yeah, the framing in this is beautiful. I think that ranch is shot early on as this utopia paradise. Mm. And then as it gradually goes on, you're starting to think that, wow, this place isn't actually the dream Literally the worst things that happen in this family history happen at that, Raj. But yeah. it's, all, it's also displayed in, like, the the atmosphere and the weather. Obviously, early on, when all, when all of the brothers are essentially together, it's very light, everything's very hopeful. But as tragedy starts striking, which we'll get into, um, things get a bit more bleaker. There's a lot more clouds. There's a lot more, you know, darker things Yeah, so on, start... So. Uh, well, not start the film, but early on you have that scene where the brothers are literally hanging out in the... Um, or by the river. Yeah. And they're all in floaties and they're literally drinking... And you're watching this being like, there's no plot here. I know that I'm watching this because you want me to see the bond that these guys have because I know what's coming and I'm going to feel it even more because you need to just see them hanging out, their connection, their love for each other in the most wholesome, sun-kissed way possible. Do you think that's... For me, what that kind of screamed is that due to their father, they actually ended up being all closer. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because he's projecting his failures onto them and, you know, he's very controlling. They're already they're already in their, like, 20s and 30s when stuff starts going down and they haven't ever left. I think it's where he meets Pam. I was going to bring Lily this up. Lily James, where she's yeah. like, I want to live with my family. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when they fall in, when she first says, what do you want to do with your life? And he's like, one, I want to be world 
heavyweight champion. And then also there's the whole case of anything else is like, well, I'd like to have a ranch with my family, you know, and I want to live with my family, stay with my family. And I think that's through Fritz's conditioning and control. But then they found this love between each other, Mm. which overwhelms the darker aspect of this control. The fact that within the opening 10 minutes, you see um, Fritz being harder on Mikey and then you have Kevin go into his mother's room as she's doing her makeup for service. Yeah. And he says, you got to tell dad to stop being so hard on Mike. Yeah. And you see their kindredness, you know, their bond that they have. And it's such a snarky but also um, sympathetic comment that he makes. Not sympathetic, but as in... They're at the dinner table, and he's looking at Mike and says, "Yeah, yeah, but skinny man, you need to lean up like your yeah. brothers." Do you know what I mean? You know, getting the getting you the know, gym lifted. Why aren't you more like your brothers, the mm. youngest one? Without even you don't re- need to eat as much as them with the bacon and that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So you brought up Lily James playing Pam, who I think is um, she's she's very great. Good. She's, she's great been proving me wrong for years because yeah. you know when you start seeing an actress, Sydney Sweeney's the new one at the moment. When you start seeing an actress who's very pretty being pushed everywhere, you're like, okay, I'm going to see you in tabloids soon and I'm going to get sick of you in two years because you're being put for roles that you aren't. Lily James in 2016 kind of gave me similar vibes, but in Baby Driver. that Baby Driver, yeah. Baby Driver, I think she's one of the best things about that. Which I like. She has proven... No, I don't. In like, I'm the only no, one I, No, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't like Baby Driver. I, um, there are better films that Edgar Wright took inspiration from. I'm a defender of watch. that film, but it's mainly just because of how I felt when I went to I watch it. I think it's quite crass. So Alex's funeral is next week. Now that he's yeah. so, so everybody's going to kill me because I like Baby Driver. Because right. this is a tragedy in itself. This podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to die of a drug overdose. <laughs> You're going to get murdered by Toby, and then Toby's going to kill himself Jesus. from the guilt. Can I drive off a cliff when I kill myself? Yeah, you fuck can. it. Why not go for it? We'll skip the amputee aspect. By the way, get out of the way. That was some really good amputee CGI. Oh, it was really no, I, I disagree. It was, I well, think no, it the was... one where he's putting his boot into the laces. Oh, that is. Not it's the, the bit, introductory shot. The reveal, I do think, was a bit... But that's the A24 money, where you're like, this isn't a big Budget. studio. Because you can... Yeah. Like, he's missing... Like, he's got his foot missing... And that leg Kerry's is slightly bent. foot, by the way. Kerry's just Kerry's get that out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Played by Jeremy Allen White from The Bear, if anybody... Yeah. That's what's coming show. up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really He's hope that this is another... Shameless years ago. The US really? one. The US, yeah. US one, which... Yeah. The US one, when I watched I it, it's a lot movies. more optimistic and less grim than the... Isn't there British more of a story one. too to that? No, one? no. You no, to say to say the yeah to say the British one is void of story is very kind of dismissive. They both have excellent writing in them. Mm. One is just a lot more real and more kitchen sink than the other. Than the other. But the that's other. British versus American yeah. humour in that British humour is based on life is shit, we fail all the time, let's laugh about it. American comedy, you can do that, but at the end, it'd just be nice to win one, you know? Yeah. Okay. That's and their it's better for someone it. else to suffer than I do. Yeah. Which is a lot of yeah. the... But that scene, sorry, the reason I brought up Lily James in the first place was that scene where they first meet outside the um, Very arena. assertive, isn't she? Yeah, but Pow. also the fact that he's never like been asked out. He's a, And I'm going to say this, shout out to my 21-year-old incels, yeah, because there's hope for you. Zac Efron in that film, it's kind of heavily implied that he's a virgin. Because he says, oh, no one's asked me out before. Which he goes is. back to your point he about... He's a virgin, because when they finally get in the car together... He's kind, it's he's kind of going, awkward. Nervous. have you, and she's going, why, do you have a problem with it? And he's like, no, and she's like, have you? And he's like, well, not properly, but, you know? And it's like, she even says, she goes, oh, you're so sweet. Like, I like that moment. So, like so you that guys moment. that are suffering now, there's hope for you. But, but I, on a character yeah. level... This is further to Dad's level of... It establishes the level of control that Dad's had. That that guy, how old is he? Maybe 28 to an R age at that point. Hench looking, coming out. Girl comes up to him, he's like, 
you, you never been asked. I've never been no. thought, thought of a girl because my career is everything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I actually felt their relationship was handled beautifully throughout. I enjoyed it. And then when you find out that they've been married in real life for 40 plus years. So wait, Kevin, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Kevin and yeah, Pam in real good. life. I've been married for 40 years. Yeah. Dude, Kevin Von Erich retired and I'm telling you like... You're, you're the... going to be the wrestling bod here. Kevin I... Von Erich retired in 2017, man. He had a long... Actually, career. wait, yeah, no, sorry. My mistake, uh, audiences. This is actually also... Um, Explain, uh, explained at the end when they in had the, the title, yeah. the title yeah. credits. Yeah, forgive me for that. Forgive me. No, they've been, and I think this is almost when you start to hear his involvement with the project. It's almost like I really love my wife. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's painted that. very well, and she's also painted as not perfect, which tells you a realistic outlook on a long marriage. Because mm. even there's moments where she's losing it with him because he's so committed, and he's sleeping at the gym. Yeah, and he's just. Spending so much time with that as opposed to his family. Yeah. And, you know, their their chemistry. I also thought that uh, sex scene in the car was very tasteful, very real. So this was another thing I think that extends to I find to Hollywood just struggles that, with that a lot. So that word tasteful that you just used, I normally reject it because um, people use it as an excuse to not handle taboo subjects in certain contexts. But not just the sex scenes, but also the way this film handles suicide. Mm. That word tasteful kept on coming back. Well, reading around other people's responses and things and saying, you know, their analysis of it, one of the biggest praises, and I couldn't agree any more, is the fact that it doesn't exploit the deaths or make them it's actually about the impact it has on the people around they're them. very touching yeah. there's humanity and the there. void yeah. it leaves for others as opposed to they could show the choice of not showing jeremy allen white sorry kerry's Carrie, accident yeah. just cutting and you knew straight away as soon as you saw the car coming it's like the oh, phone calls okay. in the middle of the night yeah the i thought was very clever was with david who's, you know, going off to Japan, he's going to be the guy. He's the proper star. He's already <laughs> suffering from intestinal issues in that bathroom at the wedding. Mm -mm. And you look at, they didn't have to show him doing it. You look at just the slight grime on the toilet bowl. He's vomiting he's well. like yeah. Yeah, actual an bile and blood. It's not He has just, nothing to throw up. He has just, just throw yeah. up something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also shown earlier he's abusing steroids, which... They all did. They're wrestlers. Yeah. It was the big thing at the time. Yeah, that's what they the did. The crushing of the painkillers to sniff. To snort it like cocaine. Mm. One of my favourite scenes in the film is the moment after a wrestling match where you have the transitions between the brothers and you have Kerry with blood coming down him. You have Kevin emotionally and also putting ice on his leg and then you have David taking drugs the injection yeah, yeah. and yeah. you see that the toll it is taking on them which makes the quote at the beginning when Pam first meets him where she goes well it's fake and he goes no because your stardom your presence the performance is the sport so and even if you don't smack someone in the face you still throw yourself at them with similar force, even if you know not to hit them in a certain way. Well, the way. fact that he can't get back into the ring at one moment so because he physically yeah. gets injured. Wrestlers do actually sustain so much injury because no, you find out that after the deaths of the 80s and 90s are all painkiller related. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you look at a tragedy, real another tragedy like Chris Benoit, for example, oh, yeah, where yeah, he's yeah. sustained so much mental damage that, that happened. I don't want to get into too much yeah. depth because it is truly something horrible. Yeah, those but that are is really mental damage. And you look at these things like the dark side of the ring, the documentary. The documentary, yeah. Which I is, haven't seen. Right. Mm. I strongly read, you don't like wrestling, you can still find the dark side of the ring to be some of the best documentary footage and, you know, exploration of a sport in general. Entertainment sport, period. Yeah, yeah, it is phenomenal to watch. Someone who doesn't like wrestling can get a lot from the dark side of the ring. Sure. And someone said that was the kind of the detriment with this, where there is a dark side of the ring episode, the cursed family, you know, the family curse. On the Von Erics. On the Von Erics. That's, that's the story. Yeah. 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 And it opens with that, doesn't it, where he says, Our family's, my, cursed. Our family's cursed, but my mother said we use God, God will help us. And then uh, he also goes on, but my dad told us that we could be the strongest. 
and that would help. But there's also there's also a, a, a dynamic with that because you see the sequences where they go to church and they are, you know, in church doing prayers, listening to sermons. They they come from a holy background, so that it was interesting to see that contrast of, you know, what their dad wants them to be and how how they should be as individuals, as men versus believing in yourself, having faith, you know, following a path. This was actually one of my favourite things about the film was the dichotomy, which I hope I use correctly because I'm not as smart as you think I am, between the mum and the dad. Mm. In that the mum is a very uh, spiritual presence, heavily religious, always focused on God and what life means. And dad is very driven. We have to do this. Um, Very pragmatic. Forceful, you know. Um, And I think just seeing them, even though you didn't really see them, you didn't get any scenes where they have a debate or anything, but just seeing the way that the family gravitate between the two poles um, was was very interesting, I thought. Not to sound too film snobby, but mise-en-scene. On point. The whole era is captured amazing. Like, I know the use of... Well, I was talking about transitions in previous episodes. The use of using the wrestling footage and the year and the date and the event to show the transitions in time. And the music. Yes, mm. the music. Well, I mean, the fact that Rush comes in. Yeah. You know, you know yep. you're in the hot So start of the, of the film. Start the film. You're in their bedroom and they've got a Smoke in the Bandit poster, which yeah. I rewatched recently. You know it's late 70s. You then see the first match. I mean, I think they established it at 79. But when the wrestling matches start happening and you have, as we've discussed previously, one of the best things about the film which are the TV-style overlays saying, this match, 1980-something. Or when uh, Tom Sawyer by Rush shows up, you know, okay, so it's at least 1981. Or um, this song turns up, or this car, or people cut their hair. It doesn't do what we discussed in the previous episode with Bicentennial Man, of give up and say... 10 years 16 later. years later. Really so, yeah. there. Even with the clothing, like you see you the audiences, yeah. the sort of clothes they're wearing, you can tell that we're, we're really in that era. Um, one of the one of the parts that really stood out to me as well was the individual wrestlers' uh, promos, the way that those are shot, the way that the dialogue, the narrative, how they have to read off the paper. They they make mistakes, you know. They were, and the the fact that. Nowadays, those sort of promos are pre-recorded. Um, they're done well, well before. They're not live. Well, they were the pre-recorded, moment, so. and then they tried this thing live. And I remember mm. there's the famous clip of uh, Booker T. Booker T dropping the N bomb on a live yeah. promo. Yeah, I've not seen this. Oh, I'll oh you will. To you you will. Show you Who is he referring to? As just uh, Hulk Hogan. That's it. He yep. calls Hulk Hogan yeah, the, the N word. The blonde white well, man. No, yeah, him. but it's the whole thing that Booker T's this ferocious black man who's going for it. It's like, it's like he's talking to him like, sucker was his big thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this a bad time to bring up that I thought Booker T was white? Yes, it is. Yeah, How he's dare like, you? Booker T and The Undertaker were the same Influential black wrestlers. Booker T got on the scene fighting The Rock from WCW. That's how he transitioned over. You see, this is why you're in the episode, Alex, man. Oh, yeah, man. he's the wrestling that's, dude. That's disappointing. I know who Booker T is. No, it's not. When I wrote my mouth about James Bond and you guys are like, I don't know, I, I give you compassion. Sure, I can actually name exactly now you've mentioned Booker T when I stopped watching wrestling. King Booker. Uh, that was a good time for you to stop, to be fair. That was where I stopped because I remember PG wrestling... Era. Wrestling used to be like a metal concert with yeah, Limbiscuit, Linkin Park, like ah! and then by the late two thousands, it just becomes PG era, PG yeah. era essentially. Oh my yeah. god, Booker T, Booker T Jones, Booker T and the MGs. Of course he's black. Oh god, I've never seen a photo of the man. Yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin, he's still about right. Yeah, he's, he's still he's around. Wrestling, yeah, he still does, he? but he's still alive. Okay, yeah, Toby, I'm gonna lend you a Booker T a docu- a Speaking of the N word. And restless. <laughs> when people talk about the film Longest Yard to me, the one thing that always comes to the my remake, head right? is the, the remake, Sandler, yeah. yeah, is 
Do you remember Stone Cold Steve Austin calling Nelly the N-word? The library scene. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's like one of the few things I remember about that film because he has aged so badly. Yeah, it has. It, has. it is not the most trans-friendly motion picture I've seen. Does that offend that you? too, yeah. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> Naughty's comedies weren't, though. Man, everyone yeah. go back and watch And then, like, Ace Ventura's ending. Need, need, need oh, to say more. yeah, no. Anyway, Iron Claw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Iron Claw. <laughs> more into the family tragedy aspect, because that's basically the, the entire Crux film. The crux of it. To sum it up, you have... Uh, the youngest brother, Jack, who's nine years old, who stepped on an electrical cable and drowned in a puddle. Jesus. You have, Is that how he died? Yes, the b- baby brother died. The, I had no clue. Yeah, it's like a freak, fa- it's a freak accident, oh, essentially. Jesus. Yeah. Then you have Chris, who's not mentioned. Let's talk which about Which we'll Chris. talk about in a minute, but I'll get into that later. Yeah. Then you have Kevin, who died of an intestinal issue, which they now suspect, and a lot of wrestlers think, was actually a drug overdose. Yeah. yeah. And the bad. way the film sets it up, it doesn't say it, like, blatantly, it implies it. You just see him taking bare drugs. And yeah. It's insinuated. You've got yeah. potential... That, that was a tragedy in itself, was the whole fact that Kerry was going to be an Olympic discus thrower. Yeah. And because of political climate... He the Moscow. Go. Yeah, the Moscow Olympics. He couldn't go. Yeah. It affects it everything. He loses his leg and then later commits suicide. Yeah. Mm. Then you also have Mike, who ended up taking his own life as well. He he went through the coma in real life as well. Yes, right? he lost I know that an eye. And oh, really? And had severe brain damage. The brain shows... damage you can tell in the film because he once he comes out the coma, he's very slow. Well, in real life, they did. There's interviews with him. Yeah. And he's got one eye that's discolored, which oh, they've wow. left out of the film. I think just because it might have been seen as too too depressing. You know, shock graphic. Value. Like yeah. yeah, shock value. Yeah. But that's where Stanley Simmons' performance really shines. Is doing that from being his happy-go-lucky where his brothers come collect him from band practice yeah, where he's yeah. meant to be an orchestra because that's what mum thinks he's doing. I love how when <laughs> they ask him what music he plays, said, yeah. what uh, <laughs> instrument he plays, he's like, oh, uh, the viola, the yeah. violin... And it's like Piano. everything but the guitar. And yeah. the mother's like, no, you're not going to that performance. And the brothers are like, don't worry, man, we'll get you to that they performance. Sort of yeah. The way he goes from this happy, youthful, inspirational, potential musician to mm. a shell of himself, this very vacant, distant person who's... Sid Barrett. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. a good Basically. example, yeah. <laughs> it's the vegetable. Yeah. He, the way he goes to that is... A really great, like to do that at such a young age in a performance is phenomenal, but it's heartbreaking. You look at this family, which was originally, is it six brothers? Seven. Seven Kevin in total. Yes, yeah, seven. So, this is potentially my only criticism of this film mm. in that. I mean, I'm always an advocate of like, there's nothing you can do on TV that you can't do in cinema. And I don't necessarily think that I'd say, oh, this would have worked best as a TV series. I think it would have as a miniseries, though. But this is the this is the thing. Um, I think there does come to a point in the film where the brothers just start dying and you don't really get a sense of, or you don't really get to connect with their pain in quite a serious way. So, for example, when uh, Kerry comes back for Christmas, mm. yeah, you get a moment where he kicks off at his dad and he's like, yeah, he's probably going through something. Um but it gets to the point quite quickly. And then he has the phone call Precise. with Kevin. Yeah. And like, yeah. He's like, I need someone. I need so as much help. as you know why they're doing it... Um, it's also the case with David's death, I thought, as well, where he just enters and his dad sat there, you know, blank, blank as a person to tell him, David died. I find that would have kind of that was very I think that was okay because it was the first one where it was very sudden but also I feel that David's death um, is probably the scene in the cubicle I feel like there's more lead up to that you know yes. you saw him like you're not well man there's something he's like, no, I'm, tr- I'm trying I'm trying following on from both of you guys point that's where I feel like that was the main death that they really the catalyst they really focused yeah. on was because it's the first Loss in their family in that in that modern that modern day that they're living in. While and he was on the up, he was while, on tour. While he, he was, gonna get while the he, he was going to Japan. Yeah. He was having a world championship fight with um 
with, I think it was either Harley Race or Ric Flair, who are portrayed in this film. Uh, we'll, Ric we'll, Flair in particular. We'll get on to their performances. Yes, yeah. definitely. We'll get on to their performances. But that, like, uh, that death, it stays with the family for a little while and it really affects Kevin it as well. It defines the entire thing. Yeah. Um, the thing you mentioned, I do think it would work better as a miniseries because there's also the complete exclusion of Chris. 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 So, Let's talk about Chris. Yeah, right. He was the shortest at Five five. He had a bone disorder that meant he was weaker, and he also suffered from asthma. So he was the physically most uh, the, the run, the runt of the litter, essentially. Right, mm. the youngest, and he was actually the one that wanted to be the wrestler the most because of the things that were stopping him. Right, and his suicide come, came shortly, not long after David, because that he had a very strong bond with David, and David even at the start of the film feels like the middle child but the voice of authority kevin's watching everyone but david's kevin's the very inspirer. quiet yeah D- D- you, kevin's gonna back you in a fight with a bully yeah. yeah david's the one that's gonna tell you you can do this and when you learn the real life story which is uh, again it's credit to ha- harris dickinson for getting this across through performance i can't believe he's english <laughs> the way he steps in with the microphone yeah. bit with Kevin. Yes, he's the inspirer yes. of the family. He's got everyone. You know, there's also the bit with the burger. I'll have a burger with you, brother. Yeah. You know, yeah. he is the one that's there enlightening them, pushing them all the way. Let's have a good time. A voice of encouragement yeah. that the father should have been. He almost takes the mantle off his father. The reason, for, perfect point, because he actually uses the Iron Claw move. In a lot of their tag team matches with where Kerry and Kevin are included, He's the one that brandishes the actual David's the one claw, that does it. Iron claw move. Yeah, yeah David. Okay. He's the one that yeah. actually uses it and takes on, like you just said, his father's mantle. And I feel like that's why he was kind of inadvertently shot straight to stardom. Well, this could you know? say that the title, the Iron Claw, it's not mm. just a move. It's the Iron Claw that Fritz had around his family. Precisely. And by him taking the Iron Claw among himself, he's almost taken the grip of the family. Perfect. Perfect. It's like Mean Girls and Taxi Driver film does what it says on the tin. Yeah. It's an iron claw. Couldn't about the iron claw. Yeah. You know. But let's get back to Chris because after yeah. what you just told oh, me. So Chris so, then had an injury and then David's death affected him and he ended up killing himself. Suicide by gunshot. Sean Durkin chose not to include Chris, which I think is the one of the big the film's biggest detriment for me. My biggest criticism. Because it almost plays out if you do what I did, which you came into this film with no knowledge of the Von Eric family, mm. without a Google search. Chris wouldn't have ever existed to me. Mm. But and what I was get his there was, reason? Well, was repetition reason? and the fact that it would just be too much misery. For me, that's where a miniseries probably would have worked. Yeah. Because yeah. you could have explored that without... I get it, you're two hour ten. And two hour ten, this film flies. The pacing yeah, is fantastic. Right. I wasn't bored for a minute. No. No. And with a series, you could flesh that out without having the repetition, without having those issues. And you read more into the story about the Von Erichs, you have got enough material there for a four-part series. Absolutely. Like a mini-series, a like mini-series. you said, yeah. essentially. Yeah. But Chris, by classic thematic standards, was the underdog. Absolutely. It feels weird that you would, of all the... And, and after what he went through, from what you're saying, mm. imagine going through that, your life ends, and then 30 years after the fact, Bossman's making a film about your family life and says, like, um, do you guys remember that Peter Kay uh, pop star spoof? Pop artist spoof from 15 years ago where he played Geraldine. Vaguely. Yeah, yeah. that's how old I am. Um, this guy goes for an audition, X Factor style, and he's rejected because his story, quote-unquote, isn't sad enough. He then goes home to tell his family about this, and his nan has a heart attack. And then at his nan's funeral, Pete Waterman shows up and says, I'm pleased to tell you that your story is now officially sad enough and you have a place. Hmm. That's kind of what Chris um, Von Erich seems like, is like, what, so his story wasn't sad enough to make the, the cut. Well, Even no, though he tried to blend it into Mike. That's what I was wondering. So yeah. the fact that he took a load of barbiturates and then went off into the woods with his sleeping bag is what 
uh, Christed. Christed. Oh, oh Jesus. Right. So, so they, they tried, tried to interweave it. the aspects of Chris into other brothers. Yeah, but imagine like someone. But that made... also means that you're an afterthought still. This yeah, I don't saying. like that. I don't right. Really like so, 20 that. years' time, um, Francis von Fuckface makes a film about serial reviewers of podcasts, and he decides to merge Alex and Toby together because they both have one at least West African parent. You should never do that. That's that's what this feels no, like. No, it's just yeah, it's definitely like Imagine if you like us right here right now, twenty years later, boss man is like, Okay, well, um he's superfluous, he's not that important. It's Stefan's house, so we'll 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 definitely have Stefan in, but Alex and Toby um get merged. Uh, yeah, Alex has an afro. And that's that's what we're doing. With glasses. I I do. Oh wow. Well, I mean, mean, for the purposes of this Hollywood bastardization of fact, which it it is, considering it's an A twenty four independent production, but it is. Yeah. Like you can't get around it. It's not a major release to say, and. It still falls into the trappings of Hollywood. Let's make them more beautiful. Let's cut this out. Let's do this. It's still through that Chris part of the story. They do. They fall into it, and it becomes sensationalized. Yeah. See, I, I, I follow like the point you made earlier. I would have been very interested to see how this would have uh, played out in a miniseries form. I think there would have been a lot more of the. There's so many routes you can go. Yeah, 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 hundreds of avenues. Or just focused on one of the brothers and really told his story. But then you fall risk of using the other brothers and their lives and their deaths as uh, story material to boost one. You could do each episode or part about a different brother with a miniseries, and that would be really beautiful in a way. Um, Right, I really want to mention this. Rick Flair at the end is the climax of horror to anything. Hey, bro, I'll rematch you any day. Do you want to go party, get a drink? I love it. And he's like, no. But you, this free-living, happy-go-lucky party boy who doesn't suffer in any way is there at the point of, on the podium, Mm. whilst we have had nothing but pain and misery to this point, I feel like you're talking about my entire that. life, man. Oh, fucking that's, hell. That's a bit, no, but I, I relate it, man. Dark, I relate it. It's exactly that. The, yeah, you uh, did walk out saying this film relates to you on many different Do you know what I mean? Mr. Superman, yeah. Mr. although we had to give credit because Ric Flair is, in terms of caricature wrestler, is up there with Randy Savage. Oh, the Savage performance is great. Oh, yeah, he was, life, he was really entertaining. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, but this film, I think, at its best, uh, took the best. Ha, ha, ha from uh, Raging Bull and Rocky. Mm. But the first one, not the Rocky series, um, in that... You mean the serious, actual the film first, Rocky? The first, 1976, not yeah. Rocky not Rocky, not Rocky Cold War. War. Yeah, not everybody <laughs> can change Rocky. Not that one. Um, but that whole thing about it's not really a, how... If you win or not, it's about committing your entirety and putting yourself and bleeding for what you love. Not to sound like a fridge magnet. But you do. But it's about the journey, not the destination. Exactly, exactly. What if the Iron Claw were just the friends you made along the way? Yeah, precisely. Wow, it's been quite a serious episode, hasn't it? A serious it's, episode of Serial Viewers. It's... The the, the the main part that I, I really want to harp on, and I have written this note down. You harp a lot. Though. You love harps, man. I do harp. I, I'll, You're like an I'll angel. I'll play a harp, harp when I go to heaven, man. Just, just rest assured I will. But for me, the focal point and the part in this movie that really stuck out was the relationship and the bond of the brothers, even that final moment where in the, in essentially the The afterlife afterlife, when all the brothers meet and they embrace, you know, and you see uh, Kevin with his grown up uh, children sitting in his garden and he's just watching them play football. Something as beautiful as that. That's where they say we'll be your brothers. That was the most And you're okay to cry. I teared up a bit. Daddy, we cry. Dad is just the embodiment of toxic masculinity. He's a heel. He's, yeah, he's a he heel, is the, in the sense they're the baby faces. Yeah, and he's the heel. Alex, what does a heel mean? The I'm villain. Not a, the villain of the. So in of the wrestling, story. you have two types of people. You have a villain, 
Uh, the baby, yeah, you have the baby face that's the hero, the guy, yeah. and the heel is the bad guy. And wrestlers are divided into two types. So like Triple H is your bad guy. Yeah. yeah. Or Roman Reigns, to speak modernly for anybody that's following it. Roman Reigns is, is the uh, today's day uh, heel persona. And uh, Cody Rhodes. Um, Who the hell is that? This up. is what I mean. But it's, not, this, it's just important of giving context to... The way they set out these characters. Oh, no. So famously, give me an example of big era. Babyface? Yeah. John Cena. John John Cena Cena is a babyface. Whereas Triple H would have been the heel. Yes, correct. Okay, right. And then say the Hulk Hogan era for, say, someone who's older. Super babyface. Macho Man Randy Savage would have been the heel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And that's interesting that these archetypes are actually in these characters. Yeah. Yeah. Without being... It's interesting, there's two films about wrestling that are these really great pieces of art. The wrestling. The wrestling. wrestling. And this. Yeah. And in a way, wrestling is regarded as the silliest of the sports. Which I still watch, just for entertainment purposes. No, I get that. It's just it is. Because it's scripted, because it's a bunch of men in pants shouting at each other, you know. Hey, I'm women. I like to watch the women wrestle too. I bet. You You are so old school, Alex. I I, I bet on SmackDown 2007. and women. You know on the the latest SmackDown games where you could do do like the bra and panties match? Please, bring it over. Bring it over. Bring it over. Yeah. You um, like tassels and that. Did you, the afterlife, scene with the brothers mm. where I thought that could have been handled really cringeworthy. Yeah, likewise. Mm. And then to cut back to him just sitting on the with his dead brother's body at the table, leaning over him, yeah. that then kind of was... I thought that was actually excellently done. Almost juxtaposition. In a yeah. Because yeah. it's actually what Kevin wishes. It's what he dreams. It's what he wants. Yeah, yeah. so when that scene began, I kind of saw... Do you remember the YouTube atheism of the early 2010s? No. I kind of... You remember the Amazing Atheist? Those no, I guys. don't know. I've the YouTube, I've... That lot. Yeah. I, you know, America's love kicking off about anything. I was watching that and thinking, how is this going to fly with the kind of you-have-no-evidence cross-arm crowd? But oh, that's not right, really... Okay. It's not in a religious sense this it's just more about a man's fantasy his dream you could view it either way you could view it as this is his paradise or this is yeah Mm. you know now they're quote unquote together again but you get to see it in this very wholesome again sun-kissed uh visual borderline sapia it is yeah ultimately that's what these all of these uh i was gonna say boys but by by that point uh men that's what they all strive to reach, their dream. And you know? the, I find that Fritz's conclusion is really <laughs> actually the biggest punishment. No, he doesn't die of a heart attack. No, he doesn't get beaten up by someone where, like, the villain would. His wife just tells him she hasn't made dinner. <laughs> yeah. So he's powerless and pathetic and he's in a loveless marriage. And his kid, the only kid he has done talk to him. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> per- perfect what a ending. fitting ending for him. Perfect just suing in mediocrity. Yeah. And uh, quickly, score. Score was good. I thought so. Soundtrack was yeah. very well. Oh, yeah, really Not just the it. chosen music of the era, but the way at the end where the boys are running on the grass yep. after they have their moment with... Their dad. It doesn't fall into the schmaltzy with that photograph of the end of his huge family that he now lives with on his ranch, just how he dreamed. Oh, I loved seeing that. No, I, I liked that. Was, yeah. And I think it's where the film was so tragic that you had to have this ending. That's why I described it as bittersweet. Uplifting as well. He got what yeah. he wanted, essentially, and he basically broke the curse. Well, he's a legend now, isn't he? Apparently, yeah. the premiere, um, Kevin Von Erich made his first appearance in Texas in like 20 years. Oh, wow. See, see yeah, I like so that. He's, I like that. Yeah. So, you know that final shot you brought up with the uh, crane shot where Lily James, like Efron, the kids are playing? Yeah. Mm. I thought that was so old school, so 80s, that I really wanted the cast credits to just start scrolling up in front of me. <laughs> I didn't want it to cut to black. I was like, yeah. please. Yeah. No, but instead it did another 80s thing of showing everyone with their names. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Know, the Predator Friends theme exactly. credits. <laughs> oh, Although it's yeah. still, I think I was able to tolerate that because you know Rocket Man, the Elton John biopic. Yeah, they do like, oh, this is what happened after. This is what happened afterwards, and then before you get the credits rolling, it says, oh, by the way, Elton John just started his farewell tour. I'm like, that's genius marketing. But also, when mm. my kid watches that, Elton John will be dead, so he hasn't just started. His yeah, farewell it's, tour. 
kind of trap the film in an era. Yeah. 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 So if you show the reality of the situation and make it wholesome enough, I think it's acceptable. Yeah. So great, great, guys. I'm glad we all really enjoyed this movie. I, I'm definitely going to be giving it a rewatch at some point. Yeah, I, de- I think no, it's, got it's got a lot of rewatchable uh, quality to which it. Which yeah. films are, that are kind of more tragic and sad mm. are very hard to go review, as in review, rewatch. Yeah. And I think this is going to be a bit more palatable. For me, it had a similar effect as The Killing Fields in that it's bleak as hell, but at the end you have this weird sense of optimism in spite of what you've what you've watched. You've earned something as a human. Yeah, yeah. There's a learning, there's emotional weight that you, you actually bring into yourself. And gravitate towards as yeah. well. So. Yeah. With that, guys, we're signing out. So, yeah, Stefan, it's been great yeah, recording with you, thank man. Thank you. Yeah, it's been lovely. And, Toby, it's been You lot are going to take me great. to see Madam Web next week, aren't you? I mean, nothing's guaranteed in this life, but we'll see. Cool. We'll see. If it's the last thing I do. <laughs> no, I probably won't. Don't worry. So, Alex is taking me home late, and I'm going to crash his car. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, good idea. Please don't. I, I need it for many things. Of course you do. But with that, we're signing out, guys. Also, don't forget to follow, like, share. Um, uh, we've got our uh, Instagram page, which is Serial Viewers Podcast. Please go there and spread the love. Why don't you? All so. over your... Sorry, Karen. <laughs> so that's us signing out, guys. We'll see you on the next one. And also, I've got to end with... Woo! What? No, he was doing a Ric Flair. Right? Oh, sorry. Flair. I, ru- I ruined it. I'm sorry. It's okay. All right, guys. See you later.